Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. So, uh, so Paul, um, just to introduce Paul briefly, like he, first of all, he's one of my closest friends, and we're in a study group together. We kind of just uh, bonded immediately once I joined the group because we just have so much in common. And one of the one one thing is our faith and our family. Um, and Paul not only is an amazing uh, rep at Northwestern Mutual. I mean, he is a perennial leader, as you know, top twenty. Uh, uh, an incredible investment practice, super, super smart. He pours into his clients, uh, one of the most successful people I know. He also has a wonderful marriage to a, an amazing woman, way better than him, actually, named Sarah, uh, and five beautiful children. What, but Paul is also, to our study group, kind of the most like one of the spiritual leaders, and he does so many things that inspire me. And one of them I'll share briefly with you, and then we'll, we'll get going. But what Paul does, which I think is incredible, and I have yet to find the courage to do it, is every time he goes to a restaurant, every time, uh, with his family, with his friends, whoever, he asks the server to come over and he will say something like, hey, we're super old-fashioned and, and we're going to pray. Would you like us to pray for anything for you? Is there anything that we could pray about? And he says the the feedback and the comments he gets are just unbelievable from tears to unbelief to people just so thankful that somebody would do this. And it's so inspiring. And I want to chat. I want to give you one example about this and then I'm going to turn it over. But Paul was recently in a restaurant with his family and they go to the certain restaurant uh, for birthdays. He got a server named Charles and he asked Charles, hey, we're going to. We're going to pray. Is there anything that we could pray about? And Charles said, well, yes, that's so cool. As a matter of fact, I'm moving to Austin. I'm looking for a job. So Paul says, wow, one of my best friends is in Austin, and he's always looking for sharp, talented people. You know, what's your degree in? And Charles says, I'm in accounting and finance. So so Paul says, uh, we're going to pray for you, and I'll introduce you to my friend. Um, he actually runs, his name is Brian Verona. He runs Northwestern Mutual in all of South Texas. And again, he's always looking for great, sharp people that that are, are willing to work hard. And he said, Charles just stared at him for a minute. And he's like, are, are you messing with me? Like, are you serious? And Paul's like, no, why? He goes, I've had three interviews at Northwestern Mutual. My final interview is with Brian. And Paul said, well, I will text him right now as soon as we're done and make sure that you guys hit it off. And that's exactly what happened. So with that, I, I'm just blown away by those stories. And as Paul is, uh, is fond of saying, there's no such thing as coincidences. So thanks for inspiring all of us on that. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to, to Bill and Paul. And I'm really excited for, for what they have to share with us. And we really appreciate everyone being on, on the call today. Thank you. Well, thank you, Keith. That story really does lead us into our topic, which is God's guidance. And chapter 16 of Proverbs, Paul chose verse, I believe it's seven or nine. We'll get there in a second. Nine. But uh, Proverbs 16 is sort of the planner's Proverbs. And there's several of them. I just like to read two or three. 
we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. And then we jump over to uh, the verse that, that Paul chose today. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. What those are telling us is that God's guidance is sort of like a divine dance where God leads and we follow, but we participate, and there's a great mystery in it. And I think all of us want to know God better. All of us want to walk with God, and all of us want to learn to trust God every day. Paul, I think that you have certainly talked about this and lived it, and you've overcome a lot. And your story is a great one. So tell us your story about how God leads you. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, good morning and God bless everyone. Thank you for taking time to be here. Uh, really excited to share with you this morning. Um, when Keith had invited me to do this, he had sent a list of a few verses that he asked if any of them spoke to me. And immediately when I saw Proverbs 16, 9, I got emotional. Um, because I believe that's one of my life verses. And Proverbs 16, 9 says, man makes plans for his life, but God directs his steps. And uh, I often say that I was a nobody from no, nowhere with nothing. Um, many of you have heard my background. My father was a drug and alcohol addict. Uh, my stepfather was a horrible, abusive alcoholic, uh, worst I've ever known. Um, and I experienced things as a child uh, that most people could never possibly imagine. Terrible physical, mental, emotional abuse. Um, my parents would often tell me that as a piece of garbage, um, I'd never amount to anything. They wished they never had me, wish I'd never been born. And that became my identity. Um, a quote that I often reference is Adolf Hitler said, if you tell a lie, loud enough and long enough, everybody will believe you. And those lies became my identity. Well, God says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says he loves me and has a plan and purpose for me. And so we have a choice. Every one of us, we can live and believe the lies or we can believe God's truth. And in the book of Jeremiah, another one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah says, for I know the plans for you, declares the Lord's plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. And as a young man, that's all I wanted was hope. I wanted the promise of a better future. And the one bright spot, one bright spot in my childhood was athletics. Um, specifically football. Uh, believe it or not, um, I was very uh, gifted athletically. I was captain of the football team. And my plan was I was going to win the state high school championship. The legendary coach Tom Osborne was going to recruit me to be the next great Nebraska Cornhusker. I was going to win the Heisman Trophy. I was going to get drafted by my beloved Minnesota Vikings and live happily ever after. That was my plan but God has a better plan. Well, um, 
Paul, what were some of uh, what was the first major turning point? You know, how did how did you what turned your life around? Was it yeah. athletics? And then what happened after that? Well, athletics gave me direction um, and frankly gave me an outlet that one reinforced my identity that I'm not a loser, that I could excel at things, um, that I was gifted. Um, but most importantly, uh, was at the age of 14, um, I left home. So when I was 14 years old, my mom and stepfather started charging me $200 a month rent. And I was buying my own toothpaste, my own deodorant. I was pretty much self-sufficient. And so when I was 14 years old, I decided if, you know, this environment was toxic, it was not healthy. If I was going to be self-sufficient, I wanted to be somewhere where I could thrive, not just survive day to day. So I left home. I moved in with my best friend and his mom and she was very much my maternal figure. In fact, uh, it was two years later when we were 16. Every day, Bill, we would come home from school and she would be sitting there at the kitchen counter waiting for us with the chicken patty sandwich and Fritos. Oh, nice. Every day. And uh, so one day I came home and I looked around her beautiful house. She always dressed nice. She drove a Mercedes. She was clearly successful. And I look around and I'm like, what do you do? Do you sell drugs? And she laughed and she said, Oh, sweetie, I'm a financial planner. And I said, what does that mean? She said, I help my clients plan for their financial futures for their children's college education. And God forbid if they were to die premature. And then Bill, she asked me a question that literally changed the entire trajectory of my life when I was 16 and she said, honey, if you had to guess, guess what percentage of Americans retire at age 65 with more than 40,000 a year of annual income, what would you guess? And I was young and naive. I knew my family was dysfunctional, but I thought everybody else had it figured out. So I said, I don't know, all of them. And she said, sadly, 2%, only 2%. And I remember hearing that thinking, that's tragic. This is the wealthiest nation on planet Earth. And 98% of us retire below the poverty line. But more importantly, I remember hearing that thinking, wow, that means someday if I become a financial planner, I can help 98 out of 100 people that I meet. And so Miss Vicani's love, wisdom, guidance, and direction was very much a turning point for me in my life. When, when did you think that? Uh, this is God that's giving me this direction, that's taking care of me, that is putting this all together. When did you come to that realization? Well, in uh, Genesis, Genesis fifty twenty says, what man intends for evil, God will use for good. And in November of 1993, I was in a horrible car accident. I broke several vertebrae and I should have died. They still can't explain how I lived through the accident. And I rolled my pickup truck during a snowstorm and I don't remember anything. They say I shouldn't have lived. The, the truck was crushed and the gas tank ruptured. Um, it was truly a miracle. And the first thing I remember is waking up on a cold metal table in the emergency room. 
and there are only two people in that room. There was a police officer and a physician. And they just shook their head and they said, you are one lucky kid. And Bill, I remember lying there. My mom wasn't there. My family wasn't there. No friends were there. And I remember him saying that thinking, I don't feel lucky. I feel broken and I feel alone. And they told me I might not walk. I certainly wouldn't run. I wouldn't work out. I wouldn't have a quality of life. And I remember my toes, I could start to feel feeling in my toes. And I just remember I'm going to walk, I'm going to run, I'm going to work out. I'm going to do everything they said I'd never do. And the Bible says what's impossible with man is possible with God. And at that moment, you know, I was only 18 years old and I had four sisters and a brother who were going through the same awful circumstances that I was had to suffer through as a young man. And so God spared me. I don't know why, but he did. And so I thought that God saved me for a reason. And so instead of drinking and partying and chasing girls and fighting and doing all those other horrible things I had done through my teenage years, I thought, well, maybe God has the plan and purpose for me. What if I invested in my brother's life? What if I invested in my little sister's lives? And I'm proud to share now uh, of my four sisters, two of them are married and I've had the opportunity to walk them both down the aisle. I would take them to Disney movies when they were young. I would take them on dates. I would show them how a man should treat a woman. Um, I invested heavily in my, my brother. We would work out together. He lived with my wife and I during high school. Uh, he went on to have a four-year scholarship to play left tackle at Wayne State. Um, he and I are practically twins. Uh, he's six foot six, 320 pounds. <laughs> and, uh, he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like Danny DeVito. Exactly. But I'm proud to share that this March, my brother will be seven years, seven years sober. Wow. Purely by that made me cry, Paul. Come on now. <laughs> that's, uh, my, that's my superpower, Bill. Yeah. So what? <laughs> So now you, at some point, you consciously decided to follow Jesus. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, back to the car accident, um, I, I should have died. And that was a dramatic turning point in my life. But prior to that, I had mentioned, you know, football was my little G God. And I had poured my life into that. I had to become my idol. And I was a superstar, captain of the football team. My, my teams from time I was eight until graduation had only lost three games. Well, my plan, as I mentioned, was we were going to win the state high school championship. That was one of the key steps in my master plan. Well, in the state championship semifinals, I threw three touchdown passes and I ran for a fourth. But on first and goal from the one yard line in double overtime for the first, last and only time in my career, I fumbled the snap Oh, and we lost. And that was crushing for me. Um, the front page of the Omaha World Herald the next day says fumble ends 
Indians great season. And it never talked about how I led them further than ever, how I had a record breaking year. All it talked about was the fumble. And, uh, you know, at that time I wasn't living at home again, I was living with friends and, you know, kids can be brutal. And so my friends were like, you suck, you choked, you lost the big game, you're a loser. And, um, I know this sounds harsh, but Bill, I used to say that I wasn't suicidal, but I wished I was dead. I felt like if I didn't have football, I didn't have anything worth living for. And I got a beautiful card uh, from a beautiful man, uh, Pastor Daryl Scott. Now you're going to make me cry, Bill. (laughs) And the card said how blessed I was and how God had a mighty plan and purpose for me. And it said to always remember my future is bright as the promises of God. Hmm. And I still have that card today. And that card bill became an anchor for my soul. So like when Keith talks about praying for the waiters or waitresses or buying gas for the person in the stall next to me or buying coffee for the military in line, whatever it is, a lot of many people think about doing those things. The only thing that makes me different is I do them. Instead of thinking about it, I just do it. There's a five second rule. If you think about it, you want to do it, do it. And you never know how a little bit of kindness can change somebody's entire life. And that simple little card that Pastor Daryl sent me after at the time, one of the lowest moments in my life changed my life forever, forever. Well, Paul, I could listen all day, but we, we, we have, there's a, something that we got to do before we go to our groups. And that is, um, you've had a lot of adversity in your life. Uh, tell us a story about the Navy SEALs and the big question they ask everybody. And then we'll go into our groups. Sounds great. So, um, as Bill mentioned, ironically, um, the past month, uh, I've been, I've had the privilege and the opportunity to be in Virginia beach training with the Navy SEALs. And it's been an incredible opportunity. I've learned so much. Um, I've been a part of the Navy SEAL foundation board for the past 10 years and 10 years ago, master chief shared with us because of the popularity of things like the Lone Survivor, Lone Survivor Foundation, which John Folker, my good friend, was a co-founder of, American Sniper, American Assassin. They were having the best applicants in the world, MIT grads, collegiate swimmers, former athletes. And he said, Paul, in 10 years, the Navy SEALs will be the greatest fighting force the world has ever seen. Well, Bill, after seven years, guess what happened? I know what happened. (laughs) Why'd you tell us? (laughs) They actually got worse. It was a paradox. And they didn't understand it. They said, "I, I don't understand how we can have the greatest applicants we've ever had, but our performance is suffering. So they've done countless studies over these past seven years And what they found was very interesting. These men, these great applicants were failing because they did not understand adversity. 
They did not understand how to lose. They did not understand how to overcome their entire life. They had been front runners. They'd always been the smartest kids in school. They had always been the best swimmers. They had always won. They never had to deal with pain, loss, and adversity. So the SEALs have discovered something I believe is very, very fascinating. They discovered that the number one single indicator of success is not how well somebody swims, not how fast somebody runs, not how strong they are. They have discovered that the single best indicator to a Navy SEAL and frankly, anybody's future success is the answer to one simple question. Would you like to know what it is? Yes. <laughs> what is the single greatest adversity you've ever had to overcome in your life? Mm. The answer to that question will tell the SEALs whether you will be a successful operator or not. Well, thank you, Paul. We're going to go into our groups now. And the, the question for today is, after two weeks of training, can Paul Ladaka kill Bill Hall with his thumb? Remember that <laughs> movie where Sean Connery was in the bar and he, Presidio, and he, he didn't kill the guy, but he hurt him really bad with his thumb. No, that's not the question. The actual question is the one that Paul just asked, which is, what is the greatest adversity you've ever had to overcome in your life? So let's go into our groups, and then Paul and I will be back in 20 minutes to uh, wrap it up. Welcome back, everybody. Bill? Yes. Well, uh, Paul, are you with me? I'm with you. Oh, there we are, the smiling face. <laughs> Paul, uh, you were in a group, and uh, what, did you, what did you learn? What, what would you like to say to wrap things up? Um, one, group was awesome. Um, I would just share first and foremost that there's strength and authenticity. Um, there's strength and vulnerability. Um, the first verse that I ever taught uh, my daughter, who just turned 17 last week, was 1 Samuel 16, 9, which says, man looks at the outside, but God knows your heart. And one of my favorite books by Warren Wiersbe starts off by saying, be kind to everyone, for we're all fighting some type of battle. You just don't know what it is. So met so many of us on the outside, we look like we've got it together. We look like everything is going great. But on the inside, we are broken. On the inside, we are hurting. And one of the things Daryl used to always share with me is how we all have this God-shaped void in our hearts. We have this God-shaped void in our souls. And we always try to fill it with other stuff. We fill it with money and success and relationships. And many of those things are toxic and nothing fits except a relationship with God. And so that's the biggest thing that I took away is there's strength and authenticity. We all are broken and hurting in some way. So love God and love people. Great. And one last thing, Paul, um, if, if you were going to recommend to somebody, somebody says, well, I, I just want to, I want to learn more. I want to seek more about how to walk with God. What kind of, what kind of advice do you have for us? Um, well, um, 
the number one best-selling book of all time is the Bible. And uh, lots of people have one, very few people read it. And so a practice that I've done for several years is I read through the Bible in a year. And it's amazing the wisdom, timeless, priceless wisdom that you'll find in the Bible if you just open it and read it. Um, one of my favorite uh, Proverbs is Proverbs thirteen twenty. It says, he who walks with the wise will himself become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So be very, very intentional with who you spend your time with, having a gr great support group, having a great network. Um, you know, the most important decision anyone will ever make is who they choose to follow. Matthew 27, 22 says, what then shall I do with the man whom they call the Christ? But the second most important decision you'll ever make is who you choose to spend your life with. I tell my kids, the second most important decision they'll ever make is who they choose to marry. Um, I've been blessed, sir, and I've been married 24 years this past December. Um, I've had a crush on her since I was 11, uh, but she's a good judge of character, so she didn't date me for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> but those are important decisions. Purpose Driven Life, second best-selling book of all time by Rick Warren. Um, that's a great start. But that's what I would encourage people to just think about is that God-shaped void. We all have it. We all feel it. We all know it. And the only thing that can fill that is a relationship with the Lord. Well, thank you, Paul. It's been spectacular to hear your story and to thank God for what he's doing through you. And I'm turning it back to Keith Wagner. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual.